Coffee, baby. <laughs> Hello and welcome to According to John. As you can hear, the new music is up. I love it, man. The Duke Meister is back with me today. The studio is not quite ready, but we're going to have it ready here soon. And according to John, Unbridled is about to come out of the gate with some new fresh stuff. And of course, with Pastor Duke and I uh, continuing on to teach and to educate and to answer the questions that you guys send in. So it's exciting times, man. New set, old goat. How about that? (laughs) We do have chemistry, John. (laughs) Very few. You know, it's like... uh, um, Every now and then, God just allows two people to come together and do what very few do. We've and been doing this long enough. We're completing one another's sentences. Yeah. That scares me, man. <laughs> hey, I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And today is uh, a really good question because we're going to set the stage when we answer it. Because and and actually answer the or resolve the misconception that people start out with uh, uh, mm-hmm. from from the beginning. The question is, what determines if a person goes to heaven or hell? That's the question. I want to stop here for a minute to our audience. This is good stuff. I I'm giving Johnny two points right out of the box. <laughs> this if you get hold of this message, right. Uh, uh, of, of of it's really the gospel. It, it, it's the big picture. It's what went wrong. It's it's the fix. Mm-hmm. And when you get this, it's gonna cause you, uh, those of us who get it, yeah. not to be driven about by every wind of doctrine. This is this is gospel bedrock. Yes. And I'm I'm happy to jump in here with you. He, we've just walked through the whole outline yeah. together. And uh, holy cow, you're in for a treat. Yeah, I think. Everything you just said. Hey, brother, let's go to prayer. You pray for us, and then we're going to jump right into this. Okay, Heavenly Father, it's exciting to be teachers of the Word of God. Thank you for those who taught us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who really is our teacher, and I pray that he will anoint all who listen and will fitly join together the Word of God and and not be driven about by wind of doctrine, not be uh, gullible uh, to the deception that is everywhere in this world. Help us to understand the gospel helps understand what happened when Adam and Eve sinned, the consequences thereof, and the, the fabulous salvation you've provided through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, the question, what determines if a person goes to heaven or hell? Because the, the false premise that most people start out with is God would never, you know, a loving God would never send someone to hell. <clears throat> And there's, there's some kind of emotional soupy truth to that. Right. But there's so much more. There. Don't go by how you feel. <laughs> right. Look what God says. Well, and of course, the, the biggest verse or passage that everybody goes to, right, um, or everyone, I think everybody in the world knows this verse if they don't know anything else. This is the one they know. They know this one. John 3, 16 through 18. Now, everyone knows John 3, 16, but we're going to have 17 and 18 on it because uh, it really completes the whole thought. Starting in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Now, now th- 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 people miss this, right? It- it's a huge part of it. Listen, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn us. Watch what it says. But that the world through him might be saved. Are you saying, Pastor John? No, it's the scripture saying, Pastor John, people were already condemned. They're already condemned. See, that's... And we're going to get to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying You're, hard you not to run ahead. <laughs> I got the brakes and lock. You better not... You better keep it flowing, dude, or I'm going to All jump right. here and steal your, yeah, yeah, steal yeah. your thunder. No, no, we're going. We're going. So then it says this. It says in verse 18, he who believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. already. Key word here that so many people miss or they forget to add in. Condemned already. And then it says in the rest of 18, second half, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
that's right why people stay condemned. If you believe you get uncondemned, it, well, if you that, don't believe you stay condemned. That is it. Well, I'm inching so close You're, to this thing. <laughs> I want to jump in so bad. It's your music. Sing your song, Johnny. You already got your points. <laughs> Isn't that good music, though? That is good music. You were grooving, dude. I was. You were grooving. I'm not going to stop. Yeah, that's right. So apart from the work of Jesus, every human is condemned to an eternity in hell. Revelation 2015 says this, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So apart from the work of Jesus, what he came to do, John 3, 16, 16 through 18, we're already condemned. We're already sentenced. I mean, it was like not sentenced by God, but it's just a fact of of humanity. John is gonna take you back to when this happened in Genesis 3. And it's, it's really simple, it, but we're living in an age that people don't want to face the hard facts. Right. You know, make me feel good, Pastor John. I can't. I try. Well, the, <laughs> the crazy thing is it stings, but when you get it, it does feel good. Right. When you've passed from death unto life, that's good. It's when really you know good. your your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's a that's comforting. Mm-hmm. It's not ear tickling. Right. It's biblically right. comforting. So what determines if a person goes to heaven or hell for eternity is whether that person, and, and you may or may not like this answer, but it's whether that person has been reconciled to God through Jesus. Reconciled means brought back. Yeah. Romans chapter 4, and obviously we can't, for sake of time, we can't read the whole thing, but it talks about uh, being justified by Christ. If you go to Galatians 3, uh, 23 through 29, it says this, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Our law, the law showed us that we were sinners. We are condemned. Yeah. We violate the law. We're uh, under condemnation. We're separated from God, but he loves us, and he had a plan. Well, and 25 says, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So once grace, by through Jesus Christ, that we have faith in him, once we are there, then the law is no longer teaching us that we're sinners. We already know it. Mm-hmm. like Because now it's built in. It's within us. Then it goes to uh, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what it's talking about here is uh, we are, we're family. We are one in Christ. It's the only way to heaven. Uh, some people put this, there's neither male nor female, and they use it for their tra- transgender thingy to do, but <laughs> it's, it's, that's not it. Yeah. Uh, understand, it's just meaning that there's no difference between us when it comes to salvation. We are all saved through faith in Jesus we're Christ. We're all human beings. We're all sinners, male and female. Yeah, and, and we're all saved through faith in Christ, nothing else. Verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So now we get heaven. Um, this is where people mess up. Uh, I have a sentence here, and I know you want to say that sentence. <laughs> this is where I earn my two points. Johnny wrote this, but he's honoring me. This is huge. This is yeah. beautiful. He already got his points for this. <laughs> this is fantastic. You know, when you, in light of that position, well, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, obviously, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But here, here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. And if you get hold of this, everything just falls right into place. Going to hell is the default position of humanity. Right. We are condemned already, already. And we're not condemned because of what we've done. We're condemned because of how we were born. We were born into condemnation. Well, technically, it's how we were born and what we've done. Yeah, because be, because how we were born into sin. We solidified we sin. it by sinning. We sin. 
we're sinners by birth and we're right. sinners by choice. Right. But it's the birth that we're born condemned. Now, I know all children are right. under the, the grace of God. We understand right. there's an age of There's reason. an umbrella of grace until an age of accountability. Yeah, and we don't know what that is. I think I do. We talked about this a long time ago on, on the podcast because a lot of people ask, well, what is the age of accountability? That's a huge question. It is. I think the age of accountability is if, if you go back and we're gonna, since we're talking about Adam and Eve, we're actually going to be talking about Adam and Eve and, and their sin and the fall and, and so on and so forth. I think the age of accountability, because the age of accountability is when you understand morals, morality, when you have a, an understanding of, of morals, which is an understanding really that begins according to scripture that we see your understanding of morals begins when you understand you're naked. Mm -hmm. Adam yeah, and Eve. Kids run through the house stark naked, have no clue. They're like, woohoo, check me out, <laughs> right? That's a grandson. <laughs> <laughs> He's three and a half years old and he is clueless. But right. His sisters now at age seven, they think it's hilarious. They right. kind of understand. <laughs> And the oldest sister has come to Jesus and been baptized. She had so much fun in her baptism, she wants to do it again. So we have to have a little Bible study with her that help her understand it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, though, is the first thing we see from Adam and Eve when they sin is we see a a moral understanding of their nakedness. Yeah, they knew. The first thing the scriptures say is, and they knew they were naked. They knew they were naked. And they were embarrassed, and they clothed themselves with fig leaves. Yeah, that's a... And I think... Johnny, you're I, dragging the Bible into this again. <laughs> he always does that. I think the age of accountability is the understanding of your nakedness. And I would say it's maybe even a little bit different from people to people. I, but I'll throw in the historic things. Yeah. I like that. I'm pondering that. Yeah. But I don't know that's totally definitive, but that is, more, there's something happens there. I think there is. I think there is. And it's from the Bible. So well, because here's the other thing. A, a child does not care about being naked and running around. They'll, they'll, they'll drop their drawers at Walmart and pee on the aisle. They don't care. <laughs> right. I mean, there's, there's, but then all of a sudden, like my daughter, one day she went and it was so crazy. She goes into the shower and, and, um, uh, she all of a sudden, you know, I hear the water turn off cause I'm in the living room. I hear the water turn off and then I hear, uh, or she opens the door and she sticks her head out and she's like, dad, don't look, I'm naked. And before it was never even in her mind. She would have walked in by there how, naked. Who cares? How old was she? So it was, wasn't too long after we moved to New York. So I'm going to say she was around six years old. Yeah. Five, five years old, somewhere around there. On that topic, people look at the Christ child confounding the scholars at the temple with his wisdom at age 12. And they say, well, maybe that's it. And we don't know, but right. that's that he said. And because he said to his parents, they were a little ticked off and cause he'd never sinned, he'd never sinned, right. but they, they were like, they had to come back to get him. They were fearful, you know, maybe something happened to him. And, and he said, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. So right. there was like that first recorded in the scripture evidence of his relationship with the father and, and how that's different from the relationship with them. Yeah. And when I think that, that whole Jews, and 12-year-old um, or 13, whenever the Jews do their bar mitzvah and bar mitzvah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. tradition. Yeah, it's tradition. That's tradition. This is is at least a basis yeah. that we can put some scripture to or that we, we have scripture that we can put to the age of accountability, much like uh, do does a baby go to heaven? Yeah, it's like... It, well, we have the scripture that we can put to it. Does not not like we can't stamp it. But we understand when David said, uh, um, uh, he can't come back to be with us, but I can we'll go, go to be with him. him. Yeah, and so so through these passages, we can gain some understanding. Am I absolutely 100% correct that it is uh, the accountability starts when you under understand your nakedness? No. That being said. Yeah, let me jump in here. 
this is really great uh, spiritual discipline for all of us to try and seek God's wisdom. Any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. not God's not going to give Johnny or I or you wisdom so we can be big shots. Hey, I got right, it right. all figured out. He, he does... And he won't give us wisdom apart from his word. Hey, amen. He'll never guide us outside of scripture. Right. But what we're doing is we're wrestling. It's kind of, I, I hear people use the phraseology, we're wrestling with scriptures. When God did not definitively say something, but he gave all these little clues. So we jump into those clues and we try to fit it together. And I think as we do that, we bring great glory to the Father because he wants us to uh, to seek to rightly divide the word of God. And he sees we're putting scripture with scripture. Mm-hmm. We're trying to bring it together. And that's it, it, that's a discipline that really we can use with any Bible uh, doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great hermeneutics practice. Yeah, there's <laughs> going to be scriptures that are just crystal clear for right. God's whole love the world. And then there's going to be scriptures that are, are a little bit more obscure. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the biblical hermeneutics is you never take a scripture that's obscure and let that be your bedrock and then start throwing out John three sixteens because they don't fit in with your obscure right. interpretation. Right. So thank you. Let me get that off my chest. Hey, absolutely. Time. But but going back to what you said, um, hell is the default position. Guys, we we you have said to. that, Johnny. I quoted you. Yeah. <laughs> you want to give me a point for reading you got, it? You got a point for reading it. Okay. <laughs> it's the default. No, you got position. a point. You got a point for the passion of what that said. Okay. How's that? For agreeing yeah. with you so yeah. hard heartedly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That is so big, though. Hell is the default position. When you understand yeah. that, now the gospel is going to be even more beautiful. And you understand that God doesn't send you to hell. Amen. He amen, sends amen. a rescuer because he understands that we as humans are already condemned. on our. We're, we're already on our way to hell. That's to our default. That. You need to say that one phrase again. He sends a rescuer. rescuer. Yeah. He's like another point. John. It's, it's kind of like if you, if you're out on the ocean on a cruise and, uh, and, and you fall overboard, you're already condemned to drown because you will listen, you can kick and paddle and float and so on and so forth. Uh, but you're never going to make it back to land because it's 500 miles and you're pretty much shark bait. It's, it is what it is. Right. And so now you are in a default position. You're in a default. You need position. a rescuer. And so here Somebody comes. Somebody outside of yourself who's willing. Exactly. And so now what happens? Here comes the life raft. They throw it down. You grab hold. It's attached to a rope so they can pull you to safety. But your default at that, at that moment while you're in the ocean and there's nothing there to save you, your default is to die. Yeah. You're dead meat. Because in and of yourself, you're never going to make it unless yeah. there's a rescuer. And Ephesians, is it 5-1? Uh, Ephesians says, and you who were dead in trespasses, trespasses and sins. And hath he quickened. He makes us alive. He, he, he is the rescuer. Yes. And it's his intention. And that, that intent for him to rescue us, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God slain from when, Johnny? The foundations of the world. Okay, you were a little slow on that. <laughs> He's reading, so I just... Ephesians 2, 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Default position. Def- that's our default Verse four, but God, Amen. who is rich in mercy because of his great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up, let me see, verse six, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. So when we understand 
that our default position is hell. We no longer say, well, a loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. The statement in itself is very accurate. A loving God doesn't send you to hell. A loving God comes and tries to rescue you from hell. But just like when you uh, are tossed overboard or you fall overboard into the ocean and, and someone throws a life raft to you, it is up to you to take the life raft. Mm -hmm. If you do not, you cannot blame the people on the ship for letting you drown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Just like you can't blame God for letting you go to hell when he said, hey, here's your life raft, Jesus Christ. Yeah, sin sends people to hell. And God had a plan to fix the right. sin, right? But I just i I had never heard that, that this phraseology, and boy, I adopted it immediately. <laughs> Hell is the default position, yeah. and from that, when you get that, when for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, wherefore as by one man, I know you're going to jump into this in just yep. a moment, but it all started in the garden. Our problem, we were condemned, and wherefore is by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all, for all have sinned. Right. And so it's the default position, and when we understand that, and then, you know, we, we, we don't ask dumb questions. It's like, right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm on my way to hell. And Jesus said, I'll go to hell for you. Yep. I, I'll, I'll pay your penalty. Yep. I love you. And all of a sudden, just Jesus just becomes so fantastically beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, people make but, but, out Jesus to be like, oh, yeah. who does he think he is? And he's just, everybody, <laughs> and Jesus, and he said he was God, and, and they just, they hated him. Right. And it's like, dude, he's the Savior. Yeah. He's your Messiah. Well, and, because he, he challenged their pride. He absolutely challenged their pride, and they did not like that. Mm -mm. And no, we've got it all figured out. We don't need you to try to explain yeah. it to us. Yeah, and look, I'm I'm good enough. I'm I'm good, really. Yeah, I keep yeah. the law. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bring the, the sacrifice. I, I keep the yeah. law. So even if you never broke the law, that your arrogance. <laughs> if you think you haven't broken the law, you don't know the law. Instead of guilty of one point, is guilty of all. Guilty of all, meaning that not lawbreaker. That, yeah, not that you can, not that you actually have broken all of them, but what it means is you're just as guilty breaking one as you are of breaking all of them, because it simply takes one sin to condemn us to hell. Yeah, you're unholy. One sin. Doesn't. One sin. You're con yeah. You're 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 unholy. You're you are stained. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like um, you have a beautiful white couch and someone sits on it eating a chocolate bar and a piece of chocolate drops, but you don't see it drop. And so you're sitting there, but it kind of dropped down between your legs. Of course, mm -hmm. you. what do you do? You move, you adjust. Then when you get up, what Ooh, do you have? There it is. You got a big old stain on the couch, and it looks like you pooped yourself because you got <laughs> one on your pants, too. It's a mess. And it, listen, the whole bar didn't fall on the couch, just one little piece. That's all it takes. And, that, and then you walk in and see that beautiful white sofa. And, and all you, thing see, you see, <laughs> the only thing you see is a skid mark. <laughs> That's kind of the way it is. Whoever <laughs> keep the whole long yet and guilty uh, break one point is guilty of all. Just as if you broke it all, you know. And, and I see people like instead of just <laughs> listening to God, you like my my analogy. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so rotten, Johnny. I understand everything you say, and don't tell anybody. But I even like it. You appreciate it. <laughs> I that's do. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> Jeez, Man, that wow. is so funny. So listen, here's here's the truth, right? So God says, your default position is you're condemned. Not because I condemned you, but your sin condemns you. So now God says, here's what I'm going to do. And by the way, Jesus was plan A. There was never a plan B. Plan A was sufficient. Exactly. What there's, listen, there is no need to create something else when you know the first thing you created works. That's right. So plan A is Jesus Christ. No need for anything else. And God wants, listen, God wants us reconciled to him. That's why he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, so that we could be with him because he understood our default position separated us from him automatically. Look here in John 14, 6, it says this. 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus says. And so then he invites every person to heaven. Yeah. I've heard so many people push back through the years, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> oh, my goodness, right? And many, many others push back on Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I'm like, dude, you only need one way to heaven. Right. God provided right. whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Just take the medicine. It's but been provided. Here's the funny thing. They're like, well, I don't like that. See, they set themselves <laughs> up as God's judge right. instead of like. that. That's what they do. Yeah. They I'll give you a point God. for that one. Three to two. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good day, Johnny. Like <laughs> you better jump back in Genesis quick because I am just bursting here. I got more stuff here. It's just, man, this is good stuff, Johnny. You all right. I am good. All right, here we go. We're almost into Genesis. Listen, we have to understand this, though, right? Going to heaven has everything to do with God's act of rescue. Everything. Yeah, it's not our good works. It's not. It's just we're we're condemned. It's our default yep. position. We're on our way to hell. And and and. We well, here's, you know, if you think about this, my analogy of the, of the, the cruise ship and getting thrown overboard, right? And, and you're, you're going to drown. If, if someone does not save you, you will drown just because. And there's uh, a little short window there too. It, it's not a big window. Right. Now think about this. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody would ever blame, even if the cruise ship went off. And they and because they didn't see them overboard, they didn't know. No. nobody would blame the cruise ship. No, nobody. But yet, they're willing to blame God for them going to hell. Mm -hmm. And and that's what you said, right? Everybody's like, like uh, we immediately accuse God, we immediately judge God. We nobody would judge the cruise ship, cruise ship if they died in, or drowned in the ocean, but. It's We're, a risk they take by getting on. And if they fall overboard, they did something stupid. It's right. Not, I've been on a few cruises. It's not easy to fall overboard. If you fall overboard, you you, you jump. Kinda, you kind of, <laughs> you, you were really dumb. You were really, right? But I did. I do find it interesting that nobody would judge the cruise ship if they yeah, fell overboard. I, but they sure enough will judge God. And they do all the time. And it's just crazy. But you have to understand, God is the rescuer because he understood that if he doesn't pull you out, you have no hope. We can't judge him. We need to, we need to accept the life preserver, which is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through me, he says. Can you imagine somebody that's overboard and they, their life jacket comes out and it says carnival cruise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, like, I'm not going to go to carnival. Can you send me? Uh, yes. uh, you saying carnival is the only one that can save me? Yes. I, I, I want uh, Norwegian. Norwegian, <laughs> right? Yeah, send me something else. Ah. <laughs> That's the insanity of it. I think what we're saying is people can get really stupid. Can get? <laughs> I, think sometimes they, I'm saying, I think sometimes they hang on, frame it, and put it on their wall. <laughs> so listen, when God created the world, everything was good. Genesis 131 says this. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Not just good, very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And, and when he created humanity, when he created us, it was very good good and he created us in his image and uh, by the way we are the only thing created in god's image that's it and he provided food uh he provided uh everything that was paradise. for adam and eve he set them up in paradise got adam a woman right listen they 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 wanted for nothing and all they had was eternal life oh that was it that was it. That's all I got. He listen. They had to. They had to trust his provision. They had to follow his commands and remain in a close relationship with him, and they would experience the fullness of life. And and the only thing that it took to do all of that was to walk with him every morning in the garden and be obedient. I call that God's dream, and you know what? God's dream was marred. But God's dream is going to be repaired. Right, right. And God's dream is going to come to pass. And when Jesus taught that in the prayer, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it's going to happen. Well, so, so, but here's the thing, though. Think about this, Duke. 
he did all that up. He, uh, he did all of that. He set up humanity to be in the absolute perfect, glorious place called the Garden of Eden. The paradise lost in Genesis is the paradise regained in Revelation. Revelation. What a story, huh? But people, even in that, with everything perfect, they still had the free will to disobey him. Say that again, Johnny. They had the free will to disobey him. They were the, they were free to do so. God planted one tree. One tree. They, uh, they get all the trees of the garden. They're yours. But one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And that was one rule. That one rule establishes what we call in theology volition, mm -hmm. choice. Right. Now, we have some doctrinal things floating around that, well, man doesn't have a choice. You know, God made the choice for him. God's foreknowledge is not causative. God's right. foreknowledge is not determinative. God in well, his wisdom. People is, actually believe that God's foreknowledge is, they, they say, well, since he, he already knows, he manipulates us. Yeah, yeah. That's not true. If he did, then our worship is fake. Right. And he's, it's not us right. worshiping him, which right. he seek, seeketh such to worship him. It, it would just be him worshiping himself. It'd be like me putting in a computer thing, you know, bit a bit a bit a bit a uh, Duke. Uh, Joellen loves Duke. Joellen loves Duke. And he puts that thing in Joellen, and it's not really her loving Duke. That's my bride. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's something that I did. Yeah, it'd all be fake. It's, it, it's all fake. So, well, here's, here's what I told, because someone actually asked me the question and said, well, since, you know, since God already knows everything, do we really have free will? Because he manipulates it. And I was like, no, hold on a minute. I said, you know, my children would do uh, silly things. And I would tell them, or, or they would say, Dad, I want to do such and such. And I would say, well, listen, you need to understand that if you do this, this is going to happen. And if you do this, this is going to happen. Now, I had foreknowledge. I understood the situation. Mm -hmm. and, and you know the girls. And I knew my girls. And so my daughter would say, no, I don't think that. I said, okay, but understand this is going to happen. Do what you're going to do. And I let them go. They did what they were going to do. And guess what happened? Exactly what I told them. But you know what? Just because I had the foreknowledge does not mean that I manipulated them. I simply presented them with truth and they had the free will to live it out. Yeah, this gets into the realm of what's called in theology Calvinism or maybe hyper Calvinism. That, yeah. Which that, is so damaging. Yeah, I did some podcasts on that with uh, Pastor Larry. If you go to pastorduke.com, uh, you can see. Uh, some of those things, but it, it, I mean, it's so crystal clear that God gave man a will choose you this day, whom you will serve. Joshua said, can, <laughs> I mean, I, I read through the scriptures looking for hu human choice and God may establish volition by planting that tree. And he knew what they would do, but he didn't make them do it. Well, he was, here, check this out. I was asked or not. I, uh, uh, Ed Walls, you know who, who Ed yeah, is? Good friend. And uh, so at the time, he was my professor in college. And he asked the question, why did God put the garden, or why did God put the tree, the in, tree the in the middle of the garden? Great question. And I answered it with, I simply just told him, that's where it belonged. <laughs> yep. I never thought of it in that light, but I and think it, you're right, Johnny. Well, and he said... Four points. <laughs> he said, uh, John, explain that. And I said, okay. When we were having children, uh, my when my wife was pregnant for, for our first, everyone said, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to child-proof your home. You got to put this up, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And, you gotta, and I go, no, I don't. My child has to learn what to touch and what not to touch. And they're like, no, 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 for their own safety. I go, no, for their own safety, they need to learn. <laughs> and so I didn't childproof my home. I taught my child how not to touch things that mm -hmm. didn't belong to them. Yep, we are guilty of the same uh, child-rearing technique. Right, and yeah. so... And I, we do the same with our grandchildren. 
and they're fine. They're fine. Absolutely and, fine. Now, except and, with poison. We uh, well, put, I mean, poison is yeah, something dangerous. Yeah, we we yeah. that's common sense. That's common sense, right? But, but like, I didn't move furniture. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't move. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, I did protect the outlets, you know, because yeah. I mean, we're not going to be stupid about it. Yeah, we want safety. Yeah, we but mistake, we don't be dangerous. But I didn't. I didn't put things up and hide things. Listen, I taught my children how not to touch things, and it worked out wonderful. And the other thing is that I pointed out was that was God's house. And so the tree went where he wanted it because it was his tree and it was his land and it was his garden and it was it was where he wanted it. Sometimes and man had to learn not to touch it. Yeah. I just want to add to what uh, Pastor John said there. He taught his children what to touch and not touch in right. their house. And when they came to visit my house, they were perfect angels. Didn't you learn it one spot? You got it everywhere. I didn't have to teach anymore when they went and visited you or anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the, that's the whole idea. Now we're dragging Bible and common sense. Into this. <laughs> that's scary. Kind of, that means we just probably lost half our audience. <laughs> no, this audience is why this audience is on top of it. Yeah, this audience yeah. is, is ready. Is, yeah, they're ready to listen so, to hard truth. Uh, they were free to disobey him. Genesis two fifteen through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Of every tree, help yourself. That's what he told him. They're yours. Verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God wasn't kidding, huh? He wasn't kidding. Now, you said when you made a comment earlier, uh, don't eat or touch it. That's actually what Eve said to Satan. Yeah. God told Adam right up front, just don't don't eat of it. There. Yeah, yeah. The God day told you Adam, there, you'll surely die. Don't eat it. Sorry, I added the scripture yeah, there. Shame yeah, on me. That's all right. I want, that's what I'm here for. I, qu- <laughs> I quoted. You quoted Eve. I quoted Eve. <laughs> yeah, I just gave the wrong verse at the wrong place. So, uh, what's interesting though is when when Adam God told Adam, and then Adam was supposed to tell his wife because um, Adam was the head of the house, and so Adam tells his wife and. I wonder if it was Adam that said, don't eat it. And I already know how you women are, so don't touch it either. <laughs> At the grocery store, my wife touches everything. everything. Yeah. He just put in that extra barrier to hopefully keep her away. <laughs> he should have put cones around it, you know, poisonous or something. <laughs> Do you touch things in the auto store, auto parts store? Listen, I go through and look at everything. I said, did you touch it? Sure. <laughs> sure. I pick up the package. Yeah, sporting goods store. I touch everything. Everything. Too. I want to see it. Yeah. yeah smell so, it, it. So look here, Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what happened when they disobeyed? They brought death upon themselves. They didn't die immediately. No more than you and I die immediately when we sin. But what happens is it is spiritual death that separates us from God. And later that day, that same day, they're kicked out of the garden, uh, separated from God, physically alive, emotionally alive, but spiritually dead. Yeah. But before God kicked them out, he had a little, he had some significant good news for them. He did. Now in Genesis three, I got the brakes on. I'm waiting for you, Johnny. <laughs> I love you. In Genesis 3 is where we read about Adam and Eve uh, ate the forbidden fruit. So if someone says, oh, the Eve ate the apple, guys, we do not know what the fruit was. We simply know it was forbidden for them to eat, and we know it was fruit. That being said, I am so excited to see what real fruit that God intended for us to have tastes like. Wowzer. I'm so excited. I always thought maybe it's a nectarine. It's like a peach with no skin, but I, I'm probably wrong. But <laughs> nice, it's probably going to nice be fruit. the most amazing. Looking forward to it. Oh, my goodness, right? Uh, but it says here what happened was in Genesis 3.1, and I'm just going to read 3.1 because it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Questioning God's word, casting doubt on 
God's word. Yep. And he does the same thing today. You know, we throughout the millenniums. Uh humanity is all about change, 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 right? We got to grow and change and do this and make it bigger, better, faster, prettier, whatever it is. And and then we find out that some things just really don't work well, so we got to go back and and today's society talks about how old school was bad school and I'm telling you old school was the best school. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so we're but we're all about it. But you know, uh, one thing that has there's there's two things that have never changed. One, uh, God has never changed. And he, he says in Malachi 3, 6, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the second thing that has never changed is the tactics that Satan uses. Yeah, he's... He doesn't need to change them because they still work. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you know what? This is not broken. I don't need to fix it. And I will use this for all uh, of, of life. And he makes sin seem so... Um, passive so nonchalant it's no big deal right it's uh it's safe uh it's uh, the fruits desired it's pleasant to the eyes makes one wise they're all a pack of lies well father of all lies and it started there with the intention of bringing them under the same condemnation that he was under hell was prepared for the devil and his angels and now hell's going to enlarge uh, herself. I just read that this morning in Isaiah chapter five, verse 14. And, uh, man is under condemnation, but, but, and, and here's the other thing too. You have to understand, um, Satan doesn't do this because he hates you. He, He doesn't attack us because he hates us personally. He could give two rips less about us. He hates God and God loves us. And so the best way to get at God is to hurt what he loves. Yep. Yeah. And so that's why he ta- attacks humanity. That's why he deceives humanity because uh, the more that he keeps away from God, the more it hurts God. And we know it hurts God because in Genesis, it says that um, uh, that on for Jesus, that Satan's going to crush his heel. A very painful uh, break, right? It's not life-threatening, but it's very painful. Well, what is the crushing of the heel? It is the destroying of humanity what God so loved. And we know God loved us, the father, because the father says in the scriptures that we are his gift to Jesus. We're his gift. And Jesus is excited about getting his gift. So it shows that our our value, it shows how much God wants us. It shows that God really wants to rescue us. It shows that God loves us and puts us on a level above everything else that he has created. But Satan, but Satan wants to come in and deceive and destroy and kill. Mm-hmm. And then the next verse, he calls God a liar. The serpent said to him, you won't surely die. And then he could throw all kinds of scripture out of context. Yes. You know, like, well, God is love. Right. God would never send right. anybody to hell. And they take all these scriptures out of its context. Yep. It's like, no, you're in the default position. You're under sin. You have taken of this fruit. You're separated from God. He's holy. You're unholy. You're in big trouble. You're you're on your way to hell. Yeah. And God said, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And so check this out, though. Verse 5, right? Because in verse 4, you're, yeah, he says, you, you shall surely not I, die, right? I couldn't hold back. I know. Verse 5. Look here in 5. Uh, and six, 6 is very intriguing. And we may have mm-hmm. to make, we, we're going to have to do a part 2 on this because we're not going to get this done. We got too much. Verse 4 says this, uh, or uh, 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That was kind of like when he fell. I will be like God, Isaiah 14, in his fall, yeah. in his rebellion against God. And he takes that same, excuse me, crap, mm-hmm. and, he, and, he, and he feeds it to Eve. He, yeah, and here's the other thing. But he's, in his deception, he says how she will be like God. She'll have knowledge of good and evil. No special powers, no nothing. And I think Eve only heard, I'll be like God. Mm -hmm. But he told her. See, Satan, look, Satan did not lie to her. He just took the the truth and and deceived her with it. He played on her, uh, 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 he played on the things that fed her. Her emotion. Are you ready? These are the three. I love this. This is verse six. 
So when the woman saw, right, she's hearing him. I'll be like, gosh, I imagine she looks over back at the tree. Verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so she, she looked back at it, right? And by the way, saw that it was good for food. That is lust of the flesh. Yo, I see where you're going with this, Johnny. And get another point here, brother. And that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes. eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. The pride of life. life. Johnny got his fifth point. (laughs) That's good, brother. I never saw that. I've read that. Isn't that amazing? I've read that 180 times, and I just never... Isn't that, a, that that is amazing? And if you go to John, I believe it is First John, First John chapter two. No, First John five, chapter five. It's, it's, I think it's, it's either chapter two or chapter five. Forgive me, but it says that there's only three ways that we can sin: lust of the flesh, lust, lust of, of the, the eyes, eyes, and the pride of life. life. And there it was on the Genesis six, the third page of the Bible, right there. There you go. Right. Think about think about that. The, the he, core root of sin, and Satan hit every one of them. Every one of them, right there. And she gave in to every temptation we have. Because, guys, listen, we can only be tempted in three ways, or we can only sin three ways. Um, it, when when it says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted, it's, it's three ways. I'm sorry, not sin. We can only be tempted in three ways. Jesus was tempted in three ways. Turn the stone into bread. Climb up on top, uh, top of the mountain. I'll give you everything that you see. So you had the flesh, now the eyes. Uh, jump off. If you're the son of God, jump off this mountain, and angels will save you before you hit the ground. Pride. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, <laughs> I have a new podcast that I'm going to steal from you, Mr. John, on this. <laughs> you're right. I'm going to go from I'm going to go from Genesis uh, three to First John to uh, Matthew to to Matthew the yeah. temptation. It's yeah. just. It's the same tempter, so why would that be a problem? And why would he change up? Because it works. I read that. I, I mean, I read that literally 180 times, and all of them, and I never connected those dots. Yeah. This is good Bible study. This is good stuff, I'm, I'm, man. I come to teach, and I'm learning here. <laughs> this is good stuff. So when you look at verse 6, all of a sudden, everything that that we're tempted with, lust of the, uh, uh, lust, lust of the flesh, Lust of the eyes, pride of life. There's only three ways that man can be tempted. And so that's why when people are like, oh, Jesus was tempted with homosexuality. No, no. he was tempted with lust of the flesh. And and homosexuality is lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, drunkenness, lust of the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, buying more than you can afford, lust of the eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to keep up with the Joneses, lust of the, uh, or pride of life. I mean, you know, like all these. So, so we Every have, sin fits in one of those categories. Exactly. Yeah, and he started with it and he finished with it. Exactly. Because, and he tried it on Jesus and it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. But he but he tried the same thing. And I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Mm. That's what he told Satan. He just he just put Satan in his place every Satan, time. you ain't the man. Yeah, baby. I am the man. He is going down, down, down. All right, so what we see in Genesis is we see the beginning of, of sin. Now, listen, uh, our sin acted out. So prior to this moment here in Genesis chapter three, one through six, prior to that, everything was well. God set up humanity, put them in a wonderful place. Everything was good. When Eve decided to satisfy her desires, Everything went bad. She activated her will. She exercised her will. She believed the lies, her, uh, yeah, lost of flesh, lost of the eyes, pride of life. It, she yielded it. She chose. Mm-hmm. Uh, she exercised her theological volition, and she rebelled against God. She and and over- what that did was that, that rebellion to walk away from God and embrace Satan's lie. Yep. That is what condemned her to hell. Not God, mm-hmm. 
Not God. It was her choice. It was her choice. Not God's choice. And but God, in his foreknowledge, not causative, yep. not determinative, but he just knows the end from the beginning. Exactly. So he saw it coming, and he even before the problem arises, verse 6, mm-hmm. he had a plan to fix it. Yep. Here's That's also coming in a little later right? in the chapter. And here's what's real interesting if you pay attention to this. Verse 6, she eats it. She sees it as Abram, uh, it says, uh, when she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And then what did she do? She did what all of humanity has done ever since. She involved her husband. We involve others. And we make sin look desirable. And God lied after all because she didn't die physically. And so Adam looks at her, and what does he do? He eats of it as well. And what do we do when when we are like, oh, God's not condemning everyone. God loves us. God. So we feed lies to other people, and then we get other people to join in with us. And that is what condemns them is their choice, not God. They got there on their own volition. It was not God's plan. It was not God's uh, intention, but they are there. They're condemned, and immediately it begins to show up everywhere, how they think, what they see, how they behave towards one another, towards God. They're they're spiritually uh, dead. They're separated from God. Uh, The the sin has entered in. Their intellect, we learned this in Bible college, their intellect is darkened. Their will is rebellious. Their emotions are perverted, and that all shows up in the next couple of verses. Absolutely. Hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do part two because of time. We're going to end on a low note, but we're coming back with love and <laughs> celebration. Right? Now, think yeah, about that. Yeah. Because, because in, order to under, in order to understand how God is the rescuer, you had to understand what made us need rescued. Okay? Or made us need a rescuer. And so what we've done is we've explained the original sin, which was just disobedience. And what uh, we also explained in this one, our relationship with God is broken now because of, of, of that, that, that sin. That, Man overboard. Yeah, exactly. Right. Man overboard. And also we have to understand that, that this has everlasting effects on humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that, once that, that sin or relationship with God is broken, there are effects to it. And death is now a reality in our world. That little leaven leavened the whole lump. Yep. And we're going to talk about that in part two of how the sin of Adam was passed down to all the world. So guys, I hope that this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, follow, share it with someone, tell people about it. And until the next time, God bless.